Hi, this is Kevin Evans with the Chapter by Chapter Life class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And we are finishing up chapter 16, and we ended up on uh, verse 15 of chapter 16, and we are going to wrap up 16 and probably start 17 today. Assuming, of course, that we don't go down some interesting theological rabbit hole, which we are prone to. So, just to catch us up to where we were, uh, we are following Paul and Silas's second, uh, well, Paul's second missionary journey, and he is going backwards through the same churches that he planted, more or less, on his first missionary journey, and he is with Silas this time rather than Barnabas. And uh, when we last visited him in um, uh, verse 15, he was in Philippi, a, a Roman colony. And he has outreached the area of the Jewish dysphoria. And he has gotten into a city that is uh, predominantly Greek. And there are very few Greeks, uh, 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 Jews there. And according to Jewish tradition, if you have 10 Jewish male heads of families, then they will form a synagogue. And there is no synagogue in Philippi, which tells us that there are less than 10 Jewish families in Philippi. And when that happens, they, uh, they, they, they establish a place of prayer, which is someplace next to a creek outside of town, usually. And it, you just have to kind of know where to go. And uh, Paul searched that out and preached there and uh, converted a woman named Lydia. And, um, in, and that's where he is. And he um, picked up Timothy there too, didn't he? Yeah, and I, I may be messing up my re review here. Anyway, he finds himself um, in Philippi. So verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Uh, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Verse 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing uh, our city into an uproar by advocating <laughs> customs unlawful for us Germans to accept our practice, which I thought was an interesting statement. Did you just say Germans? Uh, <laughs> did, did I? Yeah, you didn't say Germans. Did I apologize? Like Romans, Romans, Romans then. I was going for Romans. Romans yeah. are not Germans, for sure. <laughs> 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 Depends on who you talk to. Uh, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack. in my dad's church. They were assembly God and they were my friends. And they owned a dairy. So there. You will milk our cow. Germans have cows. Germans can have cows. 
The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to stripped and beaten after they had been savagely flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I just think that statement's kind of interesting. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he threw, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I realize this is a long passage, but we're going to go through the whole thing and then, then back up. Verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and sent a meal before him, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release these men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us in prison. And now they want to get rid of us so quickly. It doesn't say quickly. No. Quietly. Excuse me. Quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. Because Paul is an attorney. The officers reported this to the magistrates. When they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting that they leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Uh, then they left. He's actually a tip Yep. So, but I have a question. Do you think that all fortune tellers and everything are are evil? Are you referring to the little paper thing in third grade where you need to figure out if no, Sylvia likes you? No, I'm talking about people that read palms and tell fortunes and all of that. Well, yes, I would have to say so. Yeah, yeah, evil. Let's go with evil. Well, my grandmother used to read about, lilies. 
reading poems. Uh -oh. Your yeah. grandmother used to read tea leaves. Yeah, it was tea leaves. Did you travel around in a wagon and no. make, 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 make no. pots for people? We go to grandma's house at first day at first summer where she goes, oh, well, we need to take a look and see what's going on. And she would, you would drink a cup of tea with her. And then she goes, oh, we need to read things. It was a joke. You know what I'm saying? And she went, well, I'll tell you one that's not a joke. I know that 40 years ago. Oh, it looks like you're going to meet, meet some handsome man. In Texas history, in Texas history, it is a common preacher sideline to be a water witch. So the preacher comes into town, and you're looking for a place to dig a well. You go to the preacher. He takes two sticks, carves off the end, and he's particular about the specimen of tree. And then he walks around the back pasture until suddenly the Holy Spirit uh, points the sticks down at the water, and that's where you dig your well. Now, in the old days, you went to the witch doctor for that sort of thing, but evidently the Assembly of God uh, clergy took over that particular business in the 1800s. There were no Her relatives are, uh, who were preachers <laughs> were also that. water witches. I have a question, I really do. If you're a Christian, and I mean it, if you're a Christian, does a Christian have, can a Christian go get their palm read or any kind of fortune telling stuff like that? I wouldn't recommend it. I didn't say you would recommend it. I said, I'm saying if it's a sin, would you literally Yes, I would. I, I think it's a sin. The hell part is subject to argument. Well, no, I have a is, question about that. Is, oh, really? Okay. That's Harvard, divination. Divination is against... brother. Yes, <laughs> I, I think that's a fine point. My question is, and it's a good question, is if a person does not know about sin, and I'm not talking about Africans, I don't mean that, but let's say it's a person that's, oh, let's say they're eight years old and they know right from wrong because they get in trouble in school if they get in trouble. But if, they're, if they know right from wrong and they've never been exposed to Christianity, which means no one ever picked them up for church or they went to Bible, uh, VBS or anything, will that eight-year-old go to hell if that eight-year-old dies suddenly? It's dependent on what God knows everything that a kid's thinking and, and you know, he knows everything he's going to do. So I don't God think knows their heart and he's going to be it's a up God whether or not really Romans talks about everyone's given a You know something that's really funny? Huh? You know something that's really funny? My first boyfriend was Presbyterian. It was Matt. You know Matt. He's cute. And then he was Please, thank you. Thank you so much. I would like to point out that um, the fortune teller in question in the Greek is known as a Pythiana. And uh, that is in reference to, well, it's the word, it's the word Python. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, there was a cult of Apollo 
that associated pythons with Apollo and they used it in their worship services, which involved fortune telling, oddly enough. And this is, this town, Philippi, is like 10 miles up from a town called Apollyana, which is the town devoted to the worship of Apollo. Oh. So most people that are, are trying to figure out where she's coming from, what, what we have here is a, not a priestess, but somebody that was under the thrall of the uh, church in Apollyana, and she was making these declarations of uh, prophecy. Not necessarily things that are happening in the future, but making big dramatic declarations. And people are paying for her to come and read their fortune and explain what's going on. And she was, you know, this crazy possessed person, basically. Is that where, now, is that where the gypsies came from? No. Now, uh, yes, sir? No, I was just going to say, if an individual like that, yep. who's like that, if it tries to hinder the message of the gospel going forth, then that needs to be condemned and... Well, isn't it interesting what point. she's saying? She's literally following them around and declaring the truth of what they're saying. This, this, this demonic presence is testifying to the truth of, what, of Paul's message. And Paul is being irritated by this demon following him around, basically. Well, I mean, that, and that's what shows up in a lot of services. Really? A lot of services. Because every time you give an invitation, there'll be a corresponding demonstration of the enemy to stop people from responding to the invitation to accept Jesus. Just to diffuse the message. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. They'll fall over in the spirit. Oh, really? Oh, they will, they'll writhe all over the place. They'll, and that's common. And that's common. Yeah. And that needs to be set free. And when you do that, then everybody gets saved. And the individual usually does too and gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Kevin, kind of fine line between what she's doing and preachers who prophesy that doesn't come true. <laughs> the Bible preaches the same thing. Oh, false prophet, right? We don't proclaim that anymore. And we don't stone people when it doesn't come true. Well, I'm not stoning people, but I'm calling out preachers for. I can think of three very famous happen. preachers that need to be That's stoned the, right now. The Bible puts in the same category. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, now, I'm saying very common. That's one of my biggest pet peeves, that there's too many prophets yep. saying, thus saith. That's actually the, the, the third commandment. That thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain is not about cussing. It's about saying the Lord said this and it didn't say. Oh, really? Uh, that, 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 that is the original yes. reason for that commandment. Is not cussing. It is you will wow. not take the Lord's name and say something that you didn't Don't say. Put words in God's Do not put words in God's wow. mouth. Yeah, they take it seriously. I've seen the damage that's been done when somebody prophesied. It's been and it's just as demonic yeah. as fortune telling. And we, we in a church, particularly in the Pentecostal charismatic movement, do not call people out on that. Why not? Because then you're unholy, then you're unspiritual for calling out someone's pride. The, you know, the lady that said Biden was going to die, and he didn't die. Now she's saying, well, it's a clone. 
He that's did die. Good. My prophecy came true. Oh, that's pretty She funny. should be declared a false prophet. <laughs> well, that with Julie Green or whoever it is, or with whatever her name is, she's the official prophet now. She said. Oh. I think honestly that there's no prophets. I would call them prophets, but I don't think there's any prophets in the assemblies of God because only because prophets in my mind come from the Bible. They're not like. In my mind, we don't have a prophet here. What we have, I think, is a Holy Ghost-filled preacher. And if you have a Holy Ghost-filled preacher, for instance, Andrea, who happens to be a female, but if Andrea preaches that Jesus is coming next month, guess what? He's coming next month because if he doesn't, she's a false prophet. Am I right or Nobody wrong? Knows the yeah, but the assembly is a non-profit organization. <laughs> that was a pun. Wow. So verse 19, verse 19. Uh, the owners of the slave girl are rather upset that they have just lost their source of income, as you would be. And so they seize Paul and Silas and drag them to the marketplace, which is basically their version of court, uh, in front of the magistrates, and they say, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating, here's the part that threw me, customs unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. And Judaism was a recognized faith under Roman practice. The Romans didn't really care what you believed. As long as you kept paying your, your tribute, they were good. They're basically gangsters, you know. Uh, Christianity was not, however, and he was preaching something that was separate from Judaism. And what one commentator I found, what, they think, what he thinks this means, is that they're promoting this new cult of Judaism, and that was not sanctioned. And since it's not sanctioned, it's illegal, and therefore we can throw them in jail, particularly since they just cost him some money. Well, the beginning Christianity was thought as just a Judaism, part of Judaism, right. the Romans, but then they started realizing, holy cow, there is a difference between this yeah. and, and, and Judaism. That's when they started turning on them. Here's the question, though. From How did they determine that they were Jews? Because, you know, Paul in the end said, we're Roman citizens. So they made a judgment call of calling them Jews when they drug them in there and said, these Jews. Well, Paul was a Pharisee, and you dress a certain way when you're a Pharisee. Yeah. And you got an that, I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge. And they're preaching to Jews. So yeah, I think I think that's a given. They, they okay, I have a question. It's a real question. Really, a real yeah, one? Not it's not a fake one. one like before. <laughs> it, there is, there are Mexicans. Of course, they are. There are Mexicans. That's good. Okay, we've established that. <laughs> Mexicans come from Mexico. We would hope they do. Anyway. Yes. So I have a good Mexican friend named Juan. If Juan came from Mex, if Juan came from Mexico, which she did. And he came to this church. Would Juan be a Catholic, or would he be Assembly of God? Ooh, that's very nice. Well, those things are not connected. Where he comes, I'm Canadian. That has nothing to do with my. She's not my, I'm not Anglican. Well, I didn't know you were from Canada, but yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so that doesn't necessarily our spiritual condition of where we come from. And here's a lesson within itself: where we came from does not determine who we are today. There are Mexicans in Mexico that aren't Catholics. 
will. Was thank that you really what you were trying to say? Was that what you're trying to say, Judy? There's probably Mexicans in Mexico who are Jehovah Witnesses. Judy, was that really what you were trying to ask? Did you say what you meant? I did. Okay, then then she just answered your question. All right. Uh, so the crowd it joins in the attack, and they're having a big little mini riot. Big little mini riot. Yeah, that's funny. And. Uh, I have noticed that magistrates, particularly under Rome, are not interested so much in justice. They are interested in keeping order because Rome can come in and crush them at any moment. And what Rome wants is peace and tribute. And as long as you're paying your taxes and there isn't any fuss, they're happy. As soon as there's fuss, they send in soldiers and everybody dies. So the magistrates kind of take this uh, different approach. And so it's all about crushing the resistance and stopping the riot. It's not about doing the right thing for the right people. So since we have a whole bunch of people yelling against Paul and Silas, let's throw Paul and Silas in prison and have them beaten up. So off to prison they go, and they go under heavy guard, which is surprisingly it's a surprising response to freeing someone of demonic possession. Uh, so the whole point of this is not the slave girl. Uh, chapter 5 has two big conversions. And the first one was Lydia, which was, she was already a seeker, a Greek <laughs> seeker of the, of the word. And she uh, converts easily and without a lot of drama and offers them hospitality and she's already a dominant woman in the, in the area, she's going to be powerful in the, the, uh, this church in Philippi as time goes on. And now we have the other leader that church history tells us was important in Philippi later. And he is very, very different. He is a Roman who is working in the prison. And according to Roman law, if a jailer loses his uh, prisoner that, that, that was condemned, if it was condemned to death, and, we, and I, I can only assume that some of these prisoners were, uh, then the jailer dies in their stead. That's, that's how that works. So he's, you know, he is committed to making sure that he does his job. So we have this earthquake. And it says that the foundations shook and then the doors fell off. And then the shackles fell off. And I've seen shackles. In fact, I've tried to break a chain before. I don't think there is an earthquake in the history of this planet that can knock a shackle off my wrist. It can knock the building down in my head, but it can't knock the shackle off my wrist. Physics just don't work that way. And I, I'm not questioning the scripture, I think that's the interpretation, but there was something more going on here than just an earthquake. Yeah. Yes, of course it was. Divine intervention. You know, and so and so I think and we have we'd have more in this prison than just Paul and Silas. Yeah. Who have just been beaten, and I would be grumpy if I'd just been beaten, I'd have to admit it. So would Yick. We would not be singing. We would not at all be singing. They are singing and praying in the dark in shackles in a prison after being beaten. I'm impressed just with that. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They are indeed. Yeah. 
And suddenly, all of these other prisoners, some of whom we have to assume were, were headed toward death, yeah. are also free, wow. and they don't run away. It's because the angel was there. You wouldn't run either. I wouldn't run either? <laughs> Would I be terrified of the angel? Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. I, I like that interpretation. That works. Uh, and so the, the, the guard comes in, or what, the warden or whatever he is, and he is distraught because he realizes all the shackles are broken. He assumes all his charges are gone. He's, he's dead. You know, and he might as well kill himself now quickly rather than suffer the torture that he knows his compadres are going to, you know, exist on him. And he knows that very well because he's in charge of administering it to those people. The last thing he wants to do is to be whipped and scourged and then quartered while he's alive. Oh, my goodness. So he's about to kill himself in a very noble and, you know, in a way because, you know, he's got to fall on a sword. And Paul stops him and says, oh, no, we're all here, which is inconceivable. Yes. There are two definitions. He obviously did not have my dictionary. Um, that's a private joke between me and yet. Anyway. Um, so here we have it, and now he's, he's faced with this miracle, and he is immediately converted. And uh, Paul, you know, preaches to him, and he accepts and asks what he has to do to believe, and he believes in Jesus Christ, and bang, he's there. And his family. And his family. They go to his house and they preach to the family and the family converts. That seems... Happened at house. I don't know how to write this scene in the movie. I don't. <laughs> this is, you know, wow. Does that mean he went to his house? So his, yeah. So, his, yeah. so, so the 13-year-old rebellious son also converts in the middle of the night because yeah. daddy said so? Hey, what on earth? Guy. Got this yeah. Is, does that work? That doesn't work. It's never worked in the history of education. Okay. I have no idea what. Maybe the father was so transformed from who he was to now right. who he was that it affected every part of him and it caught the family's attention. Yeah. So I get that's a that's a good talking. explanation. Dad is, is, a Dad is not behaving for like a living. Yes. No, what happened so. in between? Like, like I feel like there's so much more that they did yeah, not they say. Did not say. So I have a supportive answer to all of this that when, a, when someone gets saved, for example, in my family, I'll think of anybody in my family. Let's go to your point. Uh, I have a sis, um, my niece, let's just say it's my niece, and she's not saved, and so my niece comes to my church during this revival, and Andrea, for whatever reason, is preaching the revival. So my niece comes to the revival, and she gets saved. So, does that mean that the entire family of my niece is going to come to my church, even if they all live in Greenville and all that? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Why not? Why well, not? that's a God thing. God, God chose at this point to transform that jailer so, oh. so spectacular, like uh, you're not even the same person. It's a very unique event. And, and that caught everybody else in his family 
My dad never glowed like that before. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's just like it's yes. like the house of Cornelius. When Peter went there, the whole house was saved, not just Cornelius. But let's not overthink this. He's, a He's also the patriarch. This class is about overthinking it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> of course we're going to overthink well, it. We don't know the age of the family. We don't know the age of the kids. We don't, it might be four people. Okay? Yeah. And it is God, and it is Paul preaching to them. It's not out of the question that everybody in the household okay. would get saved. Okay. Now, granted, this is where the Catholic Church and a lot of other denominations get about child baptism because they, they say that it was probably a baby and they baptized and it was saved. Or that your faith is more about your faith. You're part of the family of this denomination, so therefore you are a Christian. That's where this comes from, which I don't agree with, of course. But let's not overthink this, that, hey, there's a miracle take place. The guy brought the preacher home. The preacher is the, the, one of the greatest preachers who have ever lived. And he preaches the gospel message in the midst of this miracle. It's not out of the question. Everybody goes, well, yeah, we want to do that. Well, the question is, let's just say that the preacher is Jimmy Swagger. And we know Jimmy Swaggart had his own issues with women, of course. But if Jimmy Swaggart committed an affair with even his own secretary in his church, if he had a, an affair with a woman, would that woman's family also come to God? Because, are they going to be angry? Seriously, would that woman's family be so upset that they would just leave? Um... At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, yeah. he and all his family were baptized at that hour of the night. Wow. So they walk out to a creek and he baptizes the family that evening. Uh, while Paul still has wounds. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy. Can I read 33 out of my Bible? Okay, what does the magic Bible say? It says, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. Yep. doesn't really say his entire family. It just says... And all his? I think that's the yeah. interpretation of that. Okay, so the next morning, the next morning, the magistrates, now that they have punished the offenders, they don't want to bring charges against them. They don't want it to go before a Roman court. They just want them to, you know, go away. The whole point was to rough them up and send them out the door. And uh, so they're released. And weirdly, I mean, if this were Yek and I, we would have run for the door and headed out of town immediately. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul says, no, no, no. You, the magistrates, just beat up two Roman citizens. Just because I'm a, Roman, a Jewish rabbi does not mean that I'm not a Roman citizen. And uh, Roman citizens have rights, and everybody else is a nobody. And so uh, suddenly these people that are terrified of the Romans and beat them up because they didn't want a big to-do going on in town to get the attention of the Romans, now we've got another incident where we're going to get the attention of the Romans where they beat up a Roman citizen. 
So suddenly they get very compliant. So the miracle was God allowing them to get beat up that causes all the problems. So basically, it's just God's miracle. Well, okay, here's an interesting question. Well, okay, uh, why why would Paul? Why would we input? Is, is it selfishness or vindictiveness on Paul's part to uh, to say, "Oh no, send them down and let them take me out of town"? Is this why is he doing this? Yes, Mister Yek, sir. Innocent as dove, but shrewd as the serpent. Well, well, it's it's all about it's all about consequences. Uh, and if they just beat them up and kick them out of town, they are still considered to be guilty, and that guilt can be held against the church in Philippi, and it, it could continue to prosecute the believers in Philippi after they're gone, and if he is publicly declared to be innocent before they leave, then there can't be any legal reprisals against the church. And so what Paul is doing is playing a little political strategy in order to make sure that the church that he has established is still protected from the locals because he is dealing with Greeks and not Jews. It, is, it, is it political strategy or was it the spirit of God directing him so he would go to Rome? Well, that's like but he appealed. He appealed. So that was part of the plan. I think part of the Holy Spirit's saying, "This is you're going to go through this. This is how you handle it." So it spreads the. He got to appeal to Caesar. Yeah. I mean, God's smart in how He does it. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, okay. the, the last thing that they wanted to Philippi was him to appeal to Caesar because that made them look bad, the and Holy that's Spirit, what they were trying to avoid. I believe inspired Paul's dad to become a Roman citizen because he knew he would need it later. Okay, two questions that we'll answer later, not today, because Kevin's got to quit teaching here. Two questions. If you go to church, and I just mean you. If you go to church. Right. Let's, let's just say it's me. Let's just say it's you, and if you go to church. I'm sorry, I just want to clarify the question. Okay. If I go to church, does that mean that all, and I'm not talking about my specific family, but all of my family, like my nieces and nephews, if, if I go to church and get saved, will my nieces and nephews also go to church and get saved? Or will they just keep on living their life because they don't happen to live? I think that's a fair question. If just because I, I think it's really interesting that this jailer's family immediately converts. And I think that the ex answered that. It was a specific instance. Something overwhelming made those people make individual conversions in the family. The Holy Spirit moved through his family individually, but it just doesn't name every last person that came to Christ, and they are all baptized. And I think the Holy Spirit is laying down the groundwork for these early churches in order to spread the gospel. And I think there were powerful movements of the Holy Spirit because there had to be in order for the church to be established as quickly as it was. Yes. And, and I don't know that there is no guarantee that everyone in your family is going to accept Christ because you did. There's one thing that I've noticed, though, about the Greeks had all kinds of weird religions and gods, and so it was kind of a unique place that he was preaching at. I mean, because... I mean, they, because of all these different gods they had, these different beliefs they had, and 
Zeus and all of that stuff. It, it's, it's really, he was really in a unique place of preaching. So if, let's just pretend that Kevin and I were not married. Let's just pretend we just met each other. <laughs> <laughs> we just met each other. Oh, hey, I want to stop you for just a second. Okay. I just feel like, um, I feel like this moment, I feel like God really wants us to take a moment and pray. Because I do believe that there's some things that's on certain people's hearts right now for lost family members yes. that they're concerned that they're not going to reach heaven. And I think that's where some of this is coming from right now. And I want us to pray that that spirit of fear will be broken yes. and that God will be faithful to his word yes. and he will save yes. those that are, that are lost, even yes. unto our entire household. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. And we intercede, Father, on behalf of our family members, Lord. And we pray that all fear will be broken, Lord, and that you will begin to transform their lives, Father. That, Lord, we speak Jesus to our family members. We speak the Holy Spirit, Lord. We leash, unleash the Holy Spirit to begin to work in their lives and to bring them back to salvation. We train them up in the way they should go, Father, and I pray that that would not depart, that you would bring them back into salvation, Lord. Yes. Right now, Father, we intercede on their behalf. Yes. We ask this right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. My Bible has this sign over here. It says that, it says that Paul was trying to make them humble. He was trying to humble the, the, the leaders that did this to him. Well, that is an interpretation. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think that's too simple. That's too simple. Uh, I don't think Paul was being vindictive. I don't think he was trying to get even. I think he was trying to press God's plan. It was. It was about protecting the church. It was about advancing Christ's message. And I think everything that he did ultimately fed into that. Even forcing these guys to come declare him innocent before you he leaves. Think about it, he was being led by the Spirit in everything he was doing. Yeah, if he wanted to be vindictive, he could have uh, sued, yeah, because they, 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 you know, he had a case against them. He didn't do that. This right here in my Bible says, if I may, yep. it says that Paul was not simply seeking self-justification. He yep. was protecting the infant church in Philippi. By forcing a public statement of their innocence, he minimized the possibility There you go. And that's what you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. so. What do you think happened to the other prisoners? Purely opinion of your opinion. I think they were jailed up again. Yep, they just slapped their they shackles didn't. right back on them and went back to normal. They didn't choose to leave when they had... No, nope. and they, they were kicking themselves big time the next day. Sure were. an angel there. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're not going to rush by an angel but to get out the of there. Left, Nope, he's think, they're thinking to themselves, I had my shot and I blew it right there. Yeah, there it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, do, but don't you think that um, if they came to know the Lord and, and then they would go say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to figure out my path, and they may have been released or whatever down the road, depending on what God did with them. Okay. We don't know that there may have been salvation in that, like you said, in that prison. Yes, that exactly. Night. For more, it's more than jail ministry. Jail ministry, first jail ministry was born right there. I just wrote on the board, is it God, the board that is it God's will that you get married? And what I mean is, if you were, say, in love, 
and you go to Pastor Andrea and you say, Pastor Andrea, is it God's will that we get married? It's none of her business. It's, even if she is a prophet, it is not her business to tell us what to do. We have to we make... need to walk close to God ourselves and let God direct our actions and direct That's our steps point. as yeah. individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, for example, my mom and dad weren't even saved when they got married. In fact, in fact, they were stepbrothers and stepsisters because their parents you got really married. You really don't need to share all <laughs> Their parents got married before they did, and their parents happened to be, in much later in their lives, stepbrothers and stepsisters. So they got married, say, at age 18, and then my, my parents got married too. So, so therefore, I'm retarded because I'm, I'm, I'm my own daughter or something like what? that. What? Yeah, that's a bad Whatever. So I wonder, I guess the jailer and Lydia were the leaders of the polygamy church. According to church history, and I don't know how factual that church is. That makes sense. And, and I think that Luke is focusing on these two conversions specifically, and we don't necessarily know everything else that happened during that time, you know, although I think it's the major stuff. Uh, it's reasonable common sense to figure because Lydia was that rich and jealous <coughs> as a person of a story. Those are two great. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good foundation for a good church right there. She was probably on the board. I would think. <laughs> I would think so. You, yeah. you had a you had a note here. You were wondering if Luke, if Luke was traveling with Paul as his doctor. Well, according to the pronouns, uh, Luke was with him. I don't know about yeah. his doctor. He was a doctor, we well, know. Well, I know, but you had to know in your... You had it a, changed just before they um, went to jail. Yeah. So, so he's, he is presumably part of the entourage at that point. Uh, I, I'm, I, well, I have 10 minutes. Okay, I have chapter 17. I guess we can start and do the first you know, portion. Chapter 17 uh, eventually brings Paul to Athens, and he gives the uh, unknown God sermon, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff to unpack there. Uh, let's look at the first nine verses, maybe, and then we can pick it up when he moves on to uh, Berea. So he uh, uh, goes to Thessalonica. Uh, verse 1, when they had passed through Amphipolis, and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Okay, they were in Philippi, which is this Greek city uh, right there in uh, Macedonia, just in northern Greece. And um, right next door is Amphipolis. So this is, you know, a matter of miles, just a few miles to this next town. And then they go down to Apollonia, where probably the uh, uh, slave girl came from. You, Right. <laughs> and um, wrong Apollonia. <laughs> Only Jennifer thought that was funny. And then they came to uh, Thessalonica. Uh, there, there was a Jewish synagogue. So there's enough Jews in Thessalonica for there to be an actual Jewish community. Yes. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on, the, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. 
So we know that he was in Thessalonica a minimum of two weeks. So assuming he got there on the Sabbath and preached and then two more Sabbaths, that's two weeks. Uh, however, if you look at the, the, uh, his first letter to the Thessalonians, the implication is that he was there much longer because they were very well taught and discipled at that point. And it, it, the most inference is that he was there longer than three weeks, but he's only talking about three times that he actually spoke in the synagogue. Uh, okay, that was a little side note. Uh, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. The first of two times that this is going to be, that phrase is going to be used in this chapter. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house, and we haven't seen him before, in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials. And we assume that Paul was staying there. Uh, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others... Post bond and let them go. No, because people were riding and yelling at them. And all of the magistrates in Thessalonica are going, shh, they have swords. That's what they're saying. So they posted bond. Does that mean that that was all that happened to them, or did they have a trial later? Or? They, they made Jason hand over a bunch of cash so that they could have a trial later, which is usually what that bond thing means. Something that happened to Kevin and me, just an announcement, I'm not sure who it was, but we had a relative who went to jail. She happened to be female, and she was underage. And she had a good job. In fact, she had... She wasn't underage, but go ahead. <laughs> well, she had a degree. But anyway... Even though she had the degree and the job, because she went to jail, Kevin and I had to go get her out of jail, not because her parents were able, her parents both had jobs. Yes, that is what a bond is, yes. Uh -huh. But they didn't post the bond because they didn't have the money and we did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, my Bible says that this bond really was a pledge that, he would, that Jason was to guarantee a peaceful, quiet community. Which is what bail is. I know. And yeah. Yeah, we're going to keep your money if you keep quiet. <laughs> Otherwise, you lose your money. So there. Uh, well, here's how they handled that. They, uh, the, 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 the believers packed up Paul and Silas, and they sent them down the road to Berea. Uh, oh, yeah, in the middle of the night. So, you know, they basically spirited them out of town in order to make all of the fuss die down because, again, we're hiding from the Romans. And they, they, they are just as motivated to keep the peace as the magistrates are. You know, it's the people that are coming against them that are causing trouble and using the Romans against them. You know, the amazing thing is, is that not a lot's changed over in that country. That People still today have to try to hide their religion from the actual people. Yeah, and you would think as open as the Romans were about religion, this wouldn't be an issue. But there it is. Uh, okay. I think, I think 
think here is because they, they were saying it was declaring another king above Caesar. It's like they were hunting for something to fuss about. You know, uh, what, what kind of charge can we invent to make this fit? You know, and so that, that, that worked. Um, okay, yes. Well, my question is, uh, Brother Peterson can maybe answer this. If, if say you went to Africa and somewhere in Africa it was illegal to even say God's name, Je Jehovah, the name of Jehovah. So you go to that place and you go, Jehovah lives. Well, that's true. But if you say that, are they going to put you in jail or kill you? Could or be. do they even care that you say it? And I saw in Arabia, you have to say Jesus, you go to jail. They'll come after you. Lots of parts of Asia, you'll, you'll go to jail. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You're right. All right. We are, uh, so they head on down to Berea. We are going to pick it up at verse 10 next time we come to class. And after Berea, Paul moves on to Athens where things get really interesting. So Paul wanted to reach out to the Gentiles, and he is hip deep in Gentiles at this point. Yes, Bill, you have the final word, and then I'm turning off this microphone. Well, you, you never did cover this last deal here where what? you said... You said we can assume Luke joined the missionaries in Troas. Was Luke Paul's personal doctor, and why did he Paul need one? Paul was a, Luke was a doctor, and he followed Paul. I have to assume, based upon that, that he was Paul's doctor. Why did he need one? <laughs> you put that on there, but we all we talked it. about this last week. Okay, you just had that in your notes. Okay. All right, with that, I am signing off. Goodbye, Internet, and I apologize to everyone.